Hello and welcome to another episode of Political Agenda brought to you by New Narrative with me, your host PJ Thumb. I'm wearing a blue and white batik shirt sitting on a red chair in front of a big bookcase full of books. And today I have with me the Secretary General of the Singapore Democratic Party and owner of Orange and Teal, Dr. Chi Soon John. But before we get to him, just a short note, this is uh, brought to you by New Narrative, a movement for democracy in Southeast Asia. And if you'd like to support what we do, if you enjoy this podcast, please do become a member at newnarrative.com slash join or donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. Okay, so Dr. Chi, welcome to Political Agenda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic to have you on. And uh, let's, let's get straight into it. I mean, you are, Dr. Chi Sun Juan, maybe the most feared opposition politician in Singapore, feared by the PAP. Right, you're uh, legendary for how you've changed political discourse in Singapore, right? And you are the longest-running, I think, leader of of an opposition party at this point in time, uh, at least of a mainstream one. And so, after all of that, you know, and after the PAP worked so hard to keep you at Parliament, your big move was to start a restaurant. Why? You know, I I guess the, the these two vocations may seem right now pretty disparate and divergent even but I've always envisaged uh, a place where people could Singaporeans could come together and build this space this community whereby we can have intelligent dialogue intense debates and have this place where we, at the same time we support the arts um, the music community have young writers coming in our artists mm-hmm. uh, and a place that we can you know really see culture uh, um, intelligence everything take root and if you think about it when you go back and you look at what's happened in other countries you J.K. Rowling's Gloria Steinem's you, you, you know George Bernard Shaw I mean even I hear Karl Marx you know develop their own thought um, their own skills a lot of many of them from at cafes restaurants that kind of thing and I just kind of thought why not in Singapore and so years ago you know uh, the SDP Singapore Democratic Party actually had this idea of uh, uh, starting up a cafe to really do something like this because it was so lacking in Singapore and so mm-hmm. through the years rather than having to depend on um, you know uh, uh, groups of individuals I thought ah, just get it started first and let's see where it goes alright okay well I mean the obvious um, question in Singapore is always one of cost and sustainability of a business sure. right so after we're now and and for those of you who are um, listening we're actually in orange and teal right sitting in the corner next to the bookshelf Um, so after almost a year of operation are you sustainable yeah I'm glad to to report that we're still you know um, holding our end up in terms of just being financially financially viable and as a business you know you almost have to be able to stay afloat be in the black so to speak before mm. you can actually do anything else uh, and and 
to date we've been uh, um, thankfully doing okay um, and hopefully this will just give us that, that grounding the foundation to do other things and it's just so happened that the COVID is just beginning to recede mm. you know knock on wood it will continue uh, to fade into the background and then we can, can we can then begin to do some of the activities that um, hitherto we've un- been un- unable to do because of the restrictions now. so as I said in any business you just got to, to be viable in the first place before you can talk about anything else otherwise if you're going to bleed money then it's, it's not going to work so you're not bleeding money you're sustainable sustainable <laughs> I mean stage. you know as, as one owner of small business to another I, you know cash flow is always the biggest challenge yeah, right are gosh, you like yes. generally cash flow positive as we, we are you know good to report that, that we are right now and, and I, again it's just not sometimes your own prowess mm. that also <laughs> helps in terms of management and, and a bit of know-how here and there but in my in this in this cafe here I, I just want to come back and thank all the supporters who've come by, not just political supporters, I think, you know, people who, who n- visit restaurants and cafes and thank them for their support. And, and it's just important mm. uh, because uh, uh, without them, it's nothing's going to work. Right. And I remember early on, you also, on your Instagram page, you talked about staffing challenges, that some people were worried about working for you because of the political sensitivities. How, how, how is, staffing is always a challenge, especially for a small business. So how is that? And going? then when you add on this, this political angle to it and, and yeah. me being who I am, it, it has an added uh, challenge, so to speak. But I, I guess, you know, the, you, you, how you present the situation and with time I think the younger generation are beginning to feel that hey what's wrong with you know uh, it's straight up business and of course every business has its own goals its own objectives its own you know vision and mine is just wanting to build a better Singapore at the same time providing good food you know good you know good company where people can come together you add the two together it's the perfect uh, way to handle this this um, cafe isn't it Mm -hmm. so I I think Singaporeans are beginning to realize that Um, but of course we do have our own uh, the the same set of problems where you're talking about um, chasing the same pool of people you know willing to work long hours and that's, that is always in the background. Right. And, but you've, you've kind of overcome that now, you feel? Do you have... Ah, no, no. I, I think that's an ongoing on, right. uh, um, challenge as we go in and try to recruit more people in. And, y- you know, it's, it's always a, a, a competition there. Mm-hmm. But therein lies that, that you know, you, you want to, to be able to, be, to inspire Mm. your own staffers your the people that come around to you and it's not a job that they go through daily grind and at the end meet a dead end yeah uh, you just want to encourage them to to have dreams of their own mm. and be able to to achieve those dreams because and my own thinking is that the saddest thing about for for human beings is is this having no hope and no goal yeah. and then you're just going through the day to day 
activity, dragging yourself out of bed and not looking forward to what you want to do. So even in this line of um, F&B, I think there are things that we can continue to inspire and motivate um, your staff to look to something more. Uh, so that's where I hope to be able to, uh, to bring in some value added, if you will. Okay. Can you can you be a bit more specific? Like, do you actually uh, encourage your staff to to join this industry and and grow go on and I don't know start their own cafes? Like, what do you th- when you talk about inspiring your staff? Is it purely on the sense of, hey, we're trying to do something different and create a special space, or actually are you trying to create a pathway for some of your staff to go on and improve improve themselves and go on to better things? I I think in all. All, all respects, mm-hmm. uh, you want to be able to tell them, hey, look, even if they're not going to be with you forever, right? you want to be able to encourage them to say, hey, look, let, let's always not lose sight of the bigger things uh, yeah. that we want to do. And if we're, if we're, all we're going to do is focus on the here and now, the dollars and cents, then I think you're going to be in trouble after a little while. You lose that passion for it, whatever you want to do. And, and yeah. being in the culinary culinary um, circles or financial world if you don't have that kind of um, passion and wanting to really hone your skills and be really good at what you do and you're going to lose sight mm. and all if you, all you care about is hey how much money am I going to make then very soon everything's just beco- everything becomes um, mm. Kind of, you, you lose focus on it. Becomes. Can minimalist. I ask you? Do you pay yourself a salary from this? I, you know, in that sense, because this is uh, you, you're actively so-called running family. The yeah, yes. just actively you're doing this and whatever I get from this. That's yeah. also income. Yeah, yeah, of course, of sense. course. I mean, you're doing the work. You deserve. So it's just a matter of sometimes it's how you account for your stuff. But as, as I said, as long as this business kept afloat, yeah. you know, I get. Uh, a bit of income to put food on the table yeah. for the family. I'm I'm happy. Yeah, of course, and of course. To make sure that, other than that, you know, uh, uh, this continues to be a place where people can come together and, hopefully, in time to come, you know, find this place iconic in that sense mm. that hey, you know, if, if you want a place that we can go in and even just have a, a nice meal where we get together for friends that we haven't seen for years, mm. that kind of thing. Yes, this is the place. And then at the same time. As I said, then in time to come, to have activities here where then pick, you know people and say, hey, you know, uh, um, we're trying to do something here, mm-hmm. and if you're looking for something, you know, in, in terms of developing our arts, our culture, you know, to yeah. have intelligent conversation, again, this is the place. So okay, right. we'll come back to that in a second. I'm just very curious about two more sort of logistical things. The first is your concept of this place mm. it feels very like a sort of european bistro kind of idea is that what you set out to do and you know you mentioned earlier people like george bernard shaw or even karl marx developing their ideas in a in a you know very cafe environment so is that what you're trying to inspire here well you know you you can't have these conversations even in a kopitiam if yeah. you really wanted to right yeah. but no the, the the to answer your question is you know this whole thing how I always had the idea that you, you of course you'll need to have your coffee yeah right 
you and along with that you need to have your your food in there with it's your your croissant or your um sandwiches mm. um but then after we got this place and you know the the idea started developing and the name came around the interior decor came about you know one thing led to another and before you know it people came in and saying look this looks very european and but that was never really the intent from the outset we just thought you know as i said you know ideas just piled on top of yeah. one another before you know it something came around the only thing yeah that i said was a must have was this bookshelf behind us right. as well as a piano and that was kind of the centerpiece for our, our, our home and i just wanted to kind of bring it into the cafe we created over here everything else was just add-ons now. okay okay so it kind of evolved out of basically what you had you saw what you had and then you kind of um you know the 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 plan evolved based on what um you had in front of you and the the space really helped it paid it but then there's also the decor right you've got these clocks you've got these shelves with uh, pictures and um you know lampshades so that came afterwards as well yeah those were incidentals that okay. came later on and they say hey you know what about this right <laughs> okay. and then you know my kids would say my daughter like, she's my eldest and mm. she's got an eye for this and yeah it works papa not not quite you know mm-hmm. doesn't quite fit in and then before you know it you know things started taking shape and we thought hey just go along with it cool okay so let's come back to this whole environment you're trying to build here now you started in the middle of a pandemic so obviously you weren't able to hold a lot of these events uh that you wanted to um but also if i remember correctly you tried to hold an event and then it was cancelled at the last minute it was this confusion confusing period whereby things started to open up yeah and then events were allowed but apparently only in certain places and by certain groups uh and so i thought at that time i wanted to have just uh, a talk over here about something guess what you know covid right mm. the, the difficulty of the the pandemic and so i decided to i wanted to uh have this talk in this cafe over here but apparently that was not allowed under the restrictions and so i was informed uh, by the authorities that that was uh, uh, no go so we had to cancel it now. right uh now w- but with with uh, the the restrictions uh loosening up i think uh, um, we will go back to it again and see if we can hold more such events now. okay so you haven't had been able to hold any events no no i think uh, um up till now it's st- uh, um it's been pretty limited in what we can and cannot do okay okay But talk talk to me a bit about what you'd like to do. What kind of events and how do you see this space evolving especially in um in a Singapore where there's so little space, right? Where we've had I mean just a month or two ago Connie Singham's book launch was cancelled and that was the art house and it wasn't just anyone as Connie Singham who is you know one of the most important figures in women's rights in Singapore. and uh and somehow they cancelled her book launch and they, she had to move it it feels like there is less and less space for these sort of things 
Um, so having any space at this point in time would be fantastic. But what is your vision for the kind of events that you want to hold here and the things that you want to happen here? I, I, I guess there's one big bugbear that I've had all this time. And this is not in this cafe, but in Singapore as a whole. Yeah. Where events have just always been curtailed because if especially if there's a political bent to it mm. and I think we're the poorer for it as a society because uh, it's, it's holding us back right. you know yeah. and, and uh, as a society uh, and, and going forward we're really talking about you know challenging on a global stage ideas innovation spontaneity creativity right yeah and that is just so lacking in Singapore here and um, so I, I've I've envisaged for this place to have that kind of intellectual stimulation, mm-hmm. uh, is it, but not just in terms of just the the the, uh, uh, the hard politics, but even cultural events, right? Right? Uh, uh, social events, mm-hmm. uh, such as, as said, such as what? What would you like? You to know, do I, 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 ideally, it will. Wouldn't it be good if we could have this place uh, for book reading, okay, and drama reading, those right. kinds of things. Where I could have, you know, musicians coming in, young kids, there's uh, a music school just above here. Okay. String quartets coming here. Okay. Artists coming in, talking about their works, those kinds of things. And then, you know, also at the, the, uh, on more the commercial side of things, have, you know, wine appreciation day, right. how to make the perfect cup of coffee. Okay. And it's just a whole nice mix of things here. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is what ho- I'm hoping at least this place will co- become uh, to be known for, for these kinds of things and it's just a m- nice good eclectic mixture of activities and then at the same time not be able not, not to shy away from things that I said are more political yeah. which really is the lifeblood of society isn't it yeah and anything that we do yeah politics is involved but in Singapore we always try to separate the two and say and, and, and one is we, we're just always trying to uh, um, at least just point put behind the scenes and, and you know not seen not heard kind of thing mm. and let the, the, the commercial side but you, you society doesn't function that way you mm-hmm. try that it becomes a very malformed society mm. where everybody just thinks hey look everything must be money making Right, <laughs> and then uh, a political yeah. side of things, or the more sensitive side of, or more social aspects of, of society, we shun them, and I don't think that's a healthy development. So, I, as I said, going forward, I'm hoping to be able to bring these together and, and create a more normal mm. uh, space for us, where we don't always have to look over our shoulders and be fearful of authority. Be respectful, yes, mm-hmm. but not fearful of authority. And be able to express um, our opinions, our minds, our views without getting knocked all the time. Is be fearful of what's going to uh, uh, come down the pipe. But are you, I mean, just the challenge of holding events here in a country where the government is extremely hostile to you and you personally, right? And, and I might be one of the few people who, who know exactly how you feel to have the whole government coming after you, you specifically, and anything you want to do gets shut down. 
you know and I tried to play by the rules I, I tried to register a company of Accra and they dragged their feet for months and then put out press release calling me a traitor to the country so even if you want to play by the rules here and do something in accordance with you know what's been laid down and try and work within the restrictions they don't let you right and do you think that'll happen to you what if that happens to you and have you apart from you you have one event cancelled but have you had any other challenges with say you know permits or licensing or, you know all these ways are ways that the government comes after you in Singapore have you had any of those challenges at this time I think uh, uh, right now you, you know if you the thing is right now sometimes you've got to be clear about what the rules are yeah. Right. And I think even then at this stage the government is also feeling its way. Mm-hmm. Uh how much it should control, mm-hmm. how much it should let go. Because if it does one thing too much, if it tries to, to legislate too much, mm-hmm. uh then again I think it's fully aware. The PAP is fully aware that if it presses too hard. Uh, then you're going to have a an electorate citizenry that's mm-hmm. going to be very jaded, yeah, uh, um, and and have the, its life squeezed out of. But that's the thing, right? The the you know the the very calibrated coercion. I, I think was it Cherry and George who came up? Yeah. They don't squeeze everyone. Sure. They sure. squeeze you specifically. And they this squeeze is where, me, yeah. right? And, I, and the, everyone else gets to say, "Oh, oh my God, that's so bad," but thank God it's not me. Yeah. You know, and and so the way a lot of the rules are written, and we see it more and more with Pofmaha and Fika and you know Poha, and the, the the ability to target individuals is ever growing. The you know discretion, yeah. right? As yeah. I made my video, so the discretion in the rules enables them to say, oh, all these companies are okay, but this company is not the company I try to register is not okay, and they don't need to even say why; they just say no. So. You know, the same thing can happen to you um, with literally, uh, I, I mean, must be dozens of different kinds of regulations and licensing. And are you worried at all about about that? Concerned, yes. But you, you've also got to realize that sometimes you, you, you cannot let fear paralyze you, right? And we are in this situation where sometimes we can just wallow in, in self-pity mm, and say, yeah. hey, you know, so unfortunate that you know, the government's paying so much attention to us. But from my perspective, I think we're very fortunate lot, right? in that sense that uh, we've been given this opportunity to shape society. And as the government is finding its way, grappling with some of the new issues coming up, technology changing all the time how we use how it uses technology how we use technology civil society the political opposition all that is still very much much in flux and depending on how where we proceed how we behave how we act and react all this helps shape our future where we're headed for but if we were to sit Mm. and say hey look we're just going to uh, you know follow whoever's in front of us uh, then we're going to be very sorry for it because if everybody takes that role, then nobody wants to step out and be in front. Right. So here we are in a situation whereby we can do one of two things. Right. Just sit back, hang back, and let others take the lead. Or 
tell ourselves that hey, we are Singaporeans, we were born and bred in Singapore. We need also to shape our society because I honestly don't believe, I, I, well, I, it's not that I don't believe, I know that the leaders in the PAP also don't know in that sense what's going to happen yeah. in the future and yeah. everybody's just making sure that we use uh, uh, what we've been endowed with both intellectually and, and, and you know in terms of what we're able to to see in the future and try to shape society and prepare ourselves they don't have the answer answers to everything this is where we come in mm-hmm. okay but if we don't are not if we were not willing to put ourselves on the front line be able to take the questions that they ask take the hits that they're going to level at us then I don't think we're worthy um, of our own country mm-hmm. right so Let's be hopeful. Let's be positive. Um, as I said, let's be respectful of authority, but let us not be fearful of them. How do you do it, man? I mean, I, you know, you've been at this since the 90s, and you're still here and you're still fighting. You know, the government has been after me for, what, five, six years now, and I'm exhausted. And, uh, you know, I, I really confess, you know, I've had struggles with my mental health because of the sheer amount of shit thrown my way. But I look at you and you're an inspiration because you have had it so much worse and yet you're still here fighting and coming up with new ideas and trying to do things in a different way. So how do you do it? What keeps you going? The one thing that you don't don't do is try to hide uh, or keep behind closed doors your own anxieties, the times where you, you actually are in a lot of anguish. And I, I think it's not normal mm-hmm. if somebody put in this situation and put under this kind of pressure does not begin to sometimes gnash our teeth and wail, right? Uh, but the, the, the important thing is to take your rest, however long, right? That y- you need to, to recover. And when you do, you cast, you play the long game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you must be able to tell yourself that, look, the changes never comes. Anything that's worthy of change never comes easy. It takes perseverance, it takes patience, and it takes persistence. And if you're able to, to delay that gratification, uh, then I think as you're going through the, the difficulties, the trials, I think you should, you'd be able to handle it just a lot better. Um, but always cast your, your, your vision. And even if you don't achieve it in a lifetime, you would not have failed. Because then others can stand on your shoulders mm. as you stood on the shoulders of others that have come before you, right? Mm. And in that sense, continue to know that as you build up, there will come a time when our effort will be cumulative and then it will cross that threshold. And when we look back, hey, we've done our part for society, we've done our part in history. And I think we should take a lot of gratification in that. Until then, don't wallow in self-pity. Mm. Uh, continue to, to figure out, y- you know, that th- creativity. If we're talking mm. about creativity, that's also political creativity, right? Mm. There are many ways to skin a cat. And uh, if you are getting from point A to point B, that's more than just one way and that's that straight arrow pointing to your destination. If you cannot reach it, you know, find different ways of, of getting to it, and you find that if you're able to handle that, 
then you'll be able to overcome a lot of difficulties along the way. Okay, so connecting the dots then, your theory of change, right, is for, and especially for Orange and Teal, is about creating a space to foster um, creativity, to foster thinking, to foster dialogue and discussion. So even if you are unable to achieve the the promised land, and you know, your gratification has been delayed so, so long. You've run, what, six, seven, eight elections now. You know, but even if you never reach there, at least you'll have fostered a space where maybe someone coming after you will be able to, you know, because of the space you've created, able to create uh, more or uh, more obvious change or more discernible change or even, you know, more change in parliament or, or in society or in culture because you've created this space. I guess, you know, s- this space, I don't want to say that it's instrumental, but at the same time, I cannot say that it's incidental. Mm-hmm. It's something which... It, it, I just want to be able to uh, uh, create space where Singaporeans can come together. Mm-hmm. And if a cafe at eatery mm-hmm. is a place to do it then so be it if not then I'm happy to do it wherever people find it conducive uh, speaker's corner is mm. one of them and you know the SDP's office is another but I just thought that hey by the way you know wouldn't it be nice if we could even if we didn't talk shop politics for me to be able to come together with some of the guests here mm. and sit down with a nice warm cup of coffee and talk about their family, talk about, you know, their, their loves in their lives, mm. you know, talk about, you know, things that inspire them, that kinds of things. And, you know, why not? You know, and along yeah. the way, you know, make this a place where people can come and be inspired, right? Relax. You know, have a warm, nice, you know, dish of whatever that we're serving. Mm. That those are all things that come together, as I, I suppose. Mm. So there isn't just this one thing of wanting to achieve uh, uh, political ends, if you will. Mm. And what's the reception like? Have have plenty of people come in, and have you had those conversations? Yes, I mean, it, you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's. it's People say F and B hours are long, and I'll tell mm. you that's an understatement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I must say that, that there have been just moments that I feel that I've just done the right thing. And it's because Singaporeans come in here, and I've just had moments where I've been able to share with them, and it's been good. Uh, I, and at the end of it, I'm, I'm just glad that I, I did it despite some of the challenges, long hours, you know, difficulties and so on and so forth. You know, you weigh out the pros and cons. I'm still glad that I, I did this. And it's been, I don't know if the word is fun, but it's been rather gratifying. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think you can ask for anything more if you enjoy what you do. Yeah. And, and that's the message going on. And, you know, in everything that you do, yeah. you know, you've, you've got to enjoy it. You, you've got to... In, in anything, 
right? Whether it's your profession, or whether it's your hobby, it's your family. Uh, there are there will be moments when tedium sets in, and well, you don't find it. You're not deliriously happy every day, right? You must find that, that quiet joy uh, that comes with it. And you must you must go on actively. It's not going to fall in your lap. Mm. You must go on actively look for it. And I believe that you seek it hard mm. enough, long enough, you find that that sense of happiness. That that as I said, uh, you know, gratif- sense of gratification, satisfaction as you go along. And do you think? Um I mean, maybe this question a bit more cynical, but the opportunity for people to get to know the real you will also help you politically, because you are maybe probably I mean the most vilified person by the PAP government, and extremely unfairly so, right? But there is this whole idea of you as, you know, I don't know, wild, crazy, like rebellious or whatever, you know, throwing tables or chairs around, whatever, which is totally. Unconnected with reality. Do you think the opportunity to get to know you, to see you as a small business owner, that you know, see that you understand people's struggles to uh, make ends meet in Singapore and keep a small business running, do you think that will also help you at the next election? People look at Chisun John and go, you know, actually that guy understands me, and I met him. I went to his restaurant, and he actually nice guy. I'll give him a chance. I. I didn't set out to, I didn't get this cafe up specifically to achieve that end. But of course, if that uh, is something that allows people to come in and get to know me as a person, of course, then you know that's added. It's icing on the cake. But um, it speaks to the issue of how powerful the media is, and this is where pre-social media era was. Uh, you were really at the mercy of the PAP because, you know, of the control of the just not just the print but broadcast media as well, and you were just like the caricature of what they wanted to portray of you, and they did, mm-hmm. you know, and it attested the fact that it was all so uh, powerful that people just just came away with this idea that was so far divorced from reality from the truth. So much so that, you know, just come up to me in person and just see me smile and reach my hand out is a step up already. Mm-hmm. So that that has uh, helped in it, in the sense that you know, I've, you know, people can just come around and I'll just be who I am, and they can see me for who I am and take away with them their own impressions. Okay, so. If if we don't mind, we switch gears a bit and talk about the next election, right? Um, what? How does the SDP see itself in the in the sort of changing landscape of Singapore politics, when it feels like, especially right now, the Workers Party and PSP, by virtue of being in Parliament, are sucking up all the oxygen, the little oxygen there is for opposition politics, and meanwhile, you see parties like Red Dot United being a lot more activist and having activists. Uh, who take part in a lot of grassroots events, right? It feels like the SDP, for so many years, being the, you know, the pacemaker, forging new directions, leading the fight for progressive politics, human rights in Singapore, is getting left behind. We don't hear much from you, yeah. and now you, it feels like you're running a business rather than fighting for human rights. 
you know I mean that may or may not be fair right but this this is the impression right you're like the STP is sort of becoming middle aged you know get, as as aging with you getting mellow yeah you know? is that is that <laughs> I th- yeah no I, I think far from it um, Singapore's politics political system is still very much in the formative years right in terms of our, our uh, building up towards uh, a democratic society and in this situation when things are still so much in flux I think things are very much uh, very open in that sense of who becomes more the uh, dominant uh, player dominant um, force so I think even as far as the opposition is concerned I think what's the most important thing for the opposition right now is to be able to formulate a set of policies that that then uh, articulates our vision for Singapore, how we're going to go ahead and how we see Singapore five, ten years from now and be able to then uh, offer it to the people and then when elections come around be able to then uh, tell them to uh, uh, you know support us get us to parliament so that we can realize this vision as you can see you know uh, the SDP has been uh, at the forefront of making sure that these uh, policy ideas uh, are firmly in place and we're not just saying it you know off the, the top of our heads and coming up with this one paragraph kind of uh, sound bites but we've actually developed policy papers yeah research them yeah. so much so that the PAP has more than once Stolen adopted your ideas. some of these adopted uh, <laughs> some of these ideas adopted is the kind way of which, saying yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which we, we you know uh, um, imitation they say is the, the, the uh, um, sincere form, form of flattery, flattery right yeah. and and this is where we take pride but mm, it's not just this this whole idea of just taking this you know sense of, of uh, uh, saying hey we, we said it first no it's not that mm. but, but going forward if we can then begin to persuade the people saying yeah, the P- uh, PAPs are, are doing things after us shouldn't you want to do uh, get the real thing in place rather mm. than have people coming up after you and just kind of following what you do and, and this is where I think the strength of the SDP is mm-hmm. and I think there's a time and place for everything because it's during elections that people pay attention to and in between elections you've got to continue yes. to be able to keep up that, that ground activity the groundwork which we will continue to do uh, and then during coming close to elections and by that I mean we do it way in advance mm-hmm. SDP they went way in advance it's about a year or sometimes even more where we launch our campaigns and we try to then get people to, to pay attention to what we're, what we're saying, what we're offering. And that's where people begin to, uh, uh, to, to bite, right? Uh, and I think we've managed to achieve this in the last elections with our uh, vote percentage going up. And we've always come from a lower point because mm. of what the PAP did to us before social media era right? Right, right we've always been painted as the bad boys but I think that the game is changing and people are beginning to see us 
uh, for what it really is. And I don't think you, you don't just get a snapshot, but really look at the trajectory that SDP is at. So you compare us, say, 10 years ago even, you see a very different uh, perception that voters have of us. And I think that will continue to do you, to, do, you, to increase. do you actually commission studies about how voters see you? We haven't got that, that okay. kind of Because uh, that's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. And yeah. a lot of times, if, you know, that the real polls come uh, during elections. Yeah. And if you track back and look at how we performed through, as I said, in the last 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. you'll see that the SDP has been on the uptick. And I have every confidence that that will continue to improve as we go forward. And, you know, as I said, you know, we'll ha- we have a game plan. We're just not sitting and treading water, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, we, we we know what we're we're doing or what we have to do in the upcoming years and months. So, and so uh, the game plan is is like more well researched and thought out policy positions. Is is that right, or is that is that I, I don't think it's exclusively that. Okay, I think okay. that how you, you you bring that those ideas and message. Bring your message across to yeah. the people. That's equally important. Okay, and how do you plan to do that? Well, I, I guess you know, right now, unless somebody bright spark at Media Corp or, or the SPH, you know, comes to epiphany and say, "Hey, you know, we've got to change it. We've still got to rely on social media." Mm. And I think that slowly uh, we can make headway, mm. as we have been all these years, and beginning to reach out directly to the people. And have them come uh, to realize that, hey, you know, there's this substance to the SDP. It's not just not coming up with slogans all the time, but mm-hmm. really uh, um, hard policies, well-grounded policies that I might repeat right. uh, PAP has adopted themselves. But it does feel like nobody, I mean, nobody reads po- policy papers. You see, that's the problem. Everyone's true. busy, You're right? Even if they want to. Yeah. And it feels like you're being passed by because uh, you know for better or worse PSP and Workers Party have a platform in parliament so the mainstream media have to report on them and what they say and they are there seen opposing being you know the responsible opposition every month and meanwhile like the recent protests against the death penalty you've got Red Dot United politicians one politician non-binary you know young politician looking like the future of Singapore standing up and making a speech Right, and where does the SDP fit in? You're no longer, or uh, maybe you have, but I haven't seen you like being at the forefront of grassroots activism the way you were before, the way you were yeah, when you were younger. You know, you were the young politician, like the future, doing those protests. Um, and for all your policy papers, you're not in parliament, able to then coherently respond to, you know, the PAP's uh, policies, uh, policy proposals, and go actually, and then break it down in technical detail you know the way the PSP or the Workers Party have been able to do especially um, you know for example I interviewed Man Wai on, on this podcast and he was able to break down some of the budget and reserves issues with a high level of technical detail and I know you guys can do that but it feels like you're being passed by at both ends of the yeah. political spectrum well it seems that way yeah. it, it, may, it, may seem that, it may seem that way for a time uh, but let me assure you that in having been in politics in the last 30 years or so, uh, you, you will note that there's a time and place mm-hmm. for everything. There's a time for us to just be a little bit more, I suppose, you know, for want of a better word, 
more academic, more reflective in what we're doing. And there's a time where you know you come out front and and just be just a little bit more rhetorical, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to to win votes. I feel that the marriage of the two is, is hugely important mm-hmm. as far as you know uh, uh, my thinking is concerned and the thinking of my colleagues in, in the party. And at the right time and right place, as I said, things will will come up, and um, we're not too worried in terms of where things are at one particular time okay but in terms of that build up and that has served us well through the years as i said uh, again as you you've got to look at the, at the projection of where uh, mm. where things are going rather just at any one time where things seem to be so it may not seem as though we're out in the limelight all the time at this stage uh, but as I said, you know, we'll do the right things at the right time, mm-hmm. and we're confident that that will begin to materialize into um, el- el- um, electoral success and votes. That's akandata coming up, right? Okay, <laughs> okay. So I guess uh, last question, um, but a big one. We have just in the last w- week heard that who our next prime minister is expected to be. Uh, Lawrence Wong has been anointed the leader of the 4G uh, so we expect that he will be the Prime Minister and uh, you've been sued by all three Prime Ministers do you plan to be sued by one? <laughs> no, okay, seriously though what do you see question about the future of Singapore under you know, new generation you're going to be the this is the first time you'll be older than the Prime Minister right? you'll have been in politics longer than the Prime Minister um, but you know, what, what do you see ah, as the future I never thought of that that way, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, I've said it before that uh, whoever takes over mm-hmm. as Prime Minister would have to articulate a vision for Singapore in a changed and changing world. I haven't heard anything mm. from the so-called uh, um, 4G leaders. All they've done was just to rely, sit on the r- laurels uh, of their predecessors you know articulate more of the same thinking that if they continue to do what they've done in the past that will bring future success to Singapore it's not going to happen that way Mm. unfortunately we haven't heard any of them uh, uh, say anything Mm. that's remotely close to looking at uh, where Singapore should be heading and I think we've seen in the last years uh, hopefully that will not translate to lost decades for Singapore as we go forward. You look at the situation and compare, say, just the simple uh, where, where, say, Korea is, South mm. Korea is. Yeah. They were miles behind everybody when they were battling for democracy. Uh, and, and, and look at where they are now, mm. you know, culturally, you know, economically. They might just hear that they're surpassed in terms of uh, um, the economic status right now surpass that of, of uh, um, even Japan I, I'm not sure about that but I, I thought I clearly in terms of like at least cachet K-pop Korean culture you know and Korean Samsung and you know so the, the I think that they have created world leading world beaters in both industry and culture so they have that for them, right? Whereas we used to be a place where we had world leaders, world beaters, 
in arts and entertainment and business and we don't see that anymore we're not generating and therein lies the danger for us going forward right Uh, we we keep thinking that hey you know just keep law and order above everything else make sure we stifle dissent and in the process stifle creativity spontaneity and all the innovative thinking uh, and thinking we're going to come out all right you know on the other on the other side I think that's wishful thinking and as society is the global society mm-hmm. goes forward I think we're going to, to um, run into a lot of problems and then we find ourselves having to rely on, uh, on foreigners I, I, I don't want and don't mean to sound xenophobic yeah of course but and I've had both so of us are married to non-Singaporeans that's right <laughs> that's exactly right yeah. I've had people I've had foreigners coming and sitting on this chair yeah foreign academics and telling us during this COVID and epidemic scores of uh, academicians uh, non-Singaporeans have left Singapore why? because they feel that they cannot travel the region mm-hmm. right? and the one intention of coming to Singapore was to you know, visit the, 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 this, this period this uh, um, region here here is where the problem is a lot of foreigners coming to Singapore are not really bent on sinking the roots in here mm. whether it's professionally or whether it's in terms of let's like, they come here as a stint yeah right, nice holiday for three four five years and then they up and leave and go back to where they are whether that's where does that leave us yeah right and in the meantime our local uh, our bread uh, talent us finding themselves hey have we got a place here and in the calculation they say maybe the uh, passes is greener on the other side and they leave mm. and then this hollowing out and then with this vicious cycle that we think that because Singaporeans are leaving, we haven't got talent, we bring in more foreign talent, and mm. then it keeps going round and round that way. When do we stop? When does this merry-go-round stop? And then we begin to say, look, uh, um, we've got to be a, 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 a have this system where we want our people to, con- to remain rooted in here. And one ingredient mm. that you must have in our society is the freedom to be able to articulate our views, to be able to participate in political society, the public process in national affairs, mm-hmm. that the people, uh, the, the talent, so to speak, will find an incentive to want to stay and continue to, to contribute to society. And this is where I think the crux, that we're the fault right now right. in Singapore. And it's going to be more than that, to. right? So... SDP is in favor of you know greater political openness and tolerance. I think that's su- that won't surprise anyone. But what is the SDP's policy with regards to um, you know the, the the balance between welcoming uh, foreign uh, workers and, and and nurturing Singaporean talent? Uh, what's what's your policy or what's the SCPs how would the SDP solve the, you know uh, tackle this very complicated issue you know your local workforce has got must be the mainstay yeah they must be the the, the spine the backbone right yeah. even the muscle of this place and where we lack where we that, that we lack in terms of talent uh, that is when the uh, foreign uh, community then complements the local community here. I think at this time, even from the uh, um, utterances of the PAP leaders, I think it's the other way around. Our, our Prime Minister has even said that without foreigners, our, and I'm paraphrasing here, our 
um, economy with pancake. Mm. We are not able to generate jobs for, an, uh, for our locals here. How do we come to this? Mm. Right? There, there, there's this imbalance right now uh, uh, in terms, and it's, it's skewed more towards foreign talent. And this is, I think, where that, that worry comes in. And I think that must be that, that balance in there. And hence, the well, writing this, this whole yeah. policy on how we can incorporate and bring in foreign talent. And parts of mm -hmm. which uh, PAP has adopted right now with its, um, for Singapore and for policy. It's a more deep-seated problem, right? The exact thing you're mentioning. We need foreign funding, foreign investment to create jobs. The problem is this is this has been Singapore's economic model since the colonial era. And the PAP chose the short-term path of continuing to make Singapore extremely welcome for foreign capital rather than building up local capital, a local capitalist class that could generate jobs. So right now, um, well, the last time I looked, so before the pandemic, half of our economy was... Uh, generate half of our GDP was generated by companies which were foreign owned, right? At least 51% foreign owned. And this is the quandary that the last time the PAP government tried to wean us off foreign funding, foreign investment, um, was the 80s, and that led to a massive recession because foreign money just left because things got too, the, their profits collapsed, right? As the PAP tried to create and build up. Um, a local, you know, a, 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 an economy that was uh, generative of ideas and uh, less reliance on direct foreign investment, right? Tried to move us up the value chain. And so we're kind of trapped now in that this transition, which should have been made a while ago, can't be made without a huge amount of pain. So if the PAP ever falls, that opposition government comes in and decides to do this, they're going to look at it and go, oh, wait a moment, if I start doing this, I'm going to get voted out the next election because there will be a lot of pain as we shift from reliance on foreign funding to uh, building up a local capitalist class, which would take a generation, right? So there are far deep-seated problems here. And I don't know how we're going to address this because if the PAP, they tried to do it, lost their nerve, you know, and then gave it up, and now we're, we're 30 years past the point where we sure, could have done sure, this. Right. I, I don't think it was a case of, of losing uh, its nerves. Yeah. I, you know, this is where I think the problem of central planning all through these, not just years, but decades have come back to bite us. Right. Uh, in and of itself, attracting uh, foreign capital, your, your multinationals and so on into Singapore, was not a wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. The problem was that then they tried to stifle uh, democracy at the same time, and this is where that that I, I I've made it the made it a point time and again that you cannot bifurcate the politics from the economics. Yes, they're the two sides of the same coin. They go hand in hand, and that's why we always talk about the political economy, right? Mm -hmm. One without the other, it, you're just going to 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 mess the whole thing up, and and it's showing right now all this the, the malformed. Uh, um, economic system that we have and that's just beginning to show when we begin to actually bring in foreign capital and then you don't let the people begin to generate its own you know engine of economic growth 
So much so that when you try to engineer, and you, you mentioned this outflow of, uh, of foreign investment, you have, you, you're left with a void, isn't it? Mm. And this is where the problem lies. This, there was no uh, uh, development uh, in tandem of the two. And the PAP just sat and got addicted to foreign capital and felt that it was very well and constant, you know, both economically, even until today. Yeah. Right. And that then it started to muscle in on in the domestic sector, right? Through its its Tomasic and all its subsidiaries mm. and, and GLCs and so on and so forth. So much so that, you know, between MNCs and your GLCs, what have you got? Mm. This is entrepreneurial class. Almost nothing. Yeah, it was squeezed. Yeah. And this is where I say, you know, going forward, it's, you know, we're already in a mess. You wait for another 10, 20 years, and I can tell you that the pain is going to get deeper and deeper. Yeah. And that is why I keep urging Singaporeans, you know, you've, you've got to see the light and, and, and get in more opposition, not just for the sake of seeing more diversity and more, more color more fireworks in parliament that's not what we're after mm. but if we're talking about pragmatism hard pragmatism of steering our economy I say we better get going in terms of building our political system because that inevitably will affect how we run our economy and hence the everyday li living day to day uh, livelihoods of us Singaporeans that is going to be hugely hugely important and it must be the number one priority in Singaporeans' minds. Otherwise, we're just going to dig the hole deeper and deeper for ourselves. Okay, well, on that note, I think we're out of time. So thank you very much, Dr. Chi, for coming on the podcast and hosting all of us here at, uh, at your restaurant, Orange and Tea. Good to have you guys here. Good to have and you guys uh, here. do you know when your first event here will be? Well, we've got our... Um, Time flies, right? whether you're having fun or not. But uh, we're coming up to our anniversary, and that's in June. And we're just having the, uh, planning a big do for this place, and uh, different events on weekends, as I said, you know, different types of activities. Cool. And uh, hopefully, you know, coming uh, come June, we'll be able to announce some of our first activities here. Fantastic. Okay. Well, when you do, I'm sure uh, you know. I'll if I'm around, I'll I'll, I'll attend very excited to see what you do with this space and I hope you achieve everything that you want to achieve. I do think you're you know, creating these spaces is really really important. We don't have enough of them. So I wish you all the best for this and for the next election. Thank you so much. Okay, so thank you to Dr. Chi for being on our podcast and thank you to you, our listener, for, uh, for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do join New Narrative as a member and support our movement for democracy in Southeast Asia at newnarrative.com slash join or donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. So thank you and see you next time. Bye.